Good morning, and welcome to our first installment of Circle of Blue's Hot Spots H2O interview series. Today we have Michael Kugelman on the line. Michael is a senior associate of South and Southeast Asia at the Woodrow Wilson Center, where his main specialty is Pakistan, India, and Afghanistan, and U.S. relations with each of those nations. He also writes monthly columns for Foreign Policy's South Asia Channel and monthly commentaries for War on the Rocks. Michael, nice to have you, and good morning. Thanks, Cody. It's great to be here with you. Let's uh, jump right into it. In your late September foreign policy piece, you quoted India's foreign ministry spokesman as suggesting that New Delhi might revoke the Indus Water Treaty. Specifically, Vikas Swarup said, for any such treaty to work, it's important for mutual trust and cooperation. It cannot be a one-sided affair. Can you tell me about the significance of this statement and the role the Indus Water Treaty plays in India-Pakistani relations? Yeah, well, I mean, the Indian foreign ministry spokesman was uh, uh, very subtly, but nonetheless um, suggesting that India reserved the right to essentially back out of a treaty that it had been party to with Pakistan for nearly 60 years. Uh, and he was essentially saying that Pakistan hasn't shown a willingness to cooperate with India um, in ways broad enough to ensure that the treaty would be able to work out. Now, you know, why it's significant for him to say or for him to suggest that India could back out of the treaty? Um, well, it's sort of complicated, but I mean, the bottom line is that uh, the Indus Waters Treaty is an accord that it's nearly 60 years old that was essentially, it essentially governs how India and Pakistan manage the rivers and the many tributaries of the Indus River Basin, which is huge. I mean, you've got the Indus River there, but you've got many more rivers and many more tributaries. And the important thing to remember here is that this river, uh, pardon me, this treaty um, uh, looks at rivers and tributaries that flow through Kashmir, which is the disputed um, region that both countries claim in full, even though in reality they each control only a, uh, a portion of it. Um, if India were to revoke the treaty, um, nothing would happen literally in the sense that if India were to back out, that would, you know, it wouldn't cause immediate destruction or problems for Pakistan. But what it would allow India to do <clears throat> would be to take the time to build large dams and other hydro projects that could in time bottle up enough water uh, to prevent water from flowing downstream to Pakistan. Pakistan is the lower riparian. Uh, in this regard, India is the upper riparian. So, in effect, India could prevent uh, a lot of water from flowing down into Pakistan, which is so important because Pakistan depends so heavily on uh, the uh, the Indus River as a water source. I mean, an entire province of Pakistan, Sindh province, is totally dependent on the Indus River for its water resources. And Pakistan is a uh, a pretty water uh, insecure country to start with. So this could be a pretty major deal if India were to revoke the treaty and then to carry out the most draconian follow-up act in response to that, where it then essentially bottles up all this water, could cause a lot of problems for Pakistan down the road. So you just went through the worst case scenario of uh, revoking the whole Indus Water Treaty. Without revoking the treaty and, and staying within the confines of the treaty, could India use it as a tool to um, uh, limit water in Pakistan or as sort of a pseudo-weapon of war? Well, I mean, there, there are things that uh, India is able to do um, within the bounds of the treaty that could cause hardships for Pakistan but would still be considered 
legal uh, per the treaty uh, itself. And you know, the main thing that India could do, and in fact, it's suggested that it's going to do this, is essentially to build more dams on particular rivers. I mean, the way the Indus Waters Treaty works, um, it essentially allocates control over what are regarded as the western rivers uh, to Pakistan. And, you know, these are these are the major rivers of the Indus Basin. Uh, I'm talking about the, the Indus River, the Chenab River, uh, and, and one other. And um, these are significant rivers because they're very large. And in fact, they constitute 80% of the total water flows within the entire basin. Um, and so these rivers are allocated to Pakistan in the sense that Pakistan is able to control the, the flow of these rivers and it's able to do what it wants on them. However, the treaty does say that India is entitled to build dams and other um, infrastructure on these western rivers so long as it minimizes storage. That's the key thing. They need to be run of the river in the sense that they can't bottle up water from uh, continuing down into Pakistan. Now, India could decide to build, you know, a series of dams um, on these western rivers. And so long as they they don't store that much water, they wouldn't be illegal. Now, the thing is, even if that were to be done, you know, a number of studies that I've seen, that I've been involved with, have essentially concluded that though even if you build a series of dams, even if India were to build a series of dams on these rivers, these western rivers that don't take up, that don't store that much water, there could still be downstream effects uh, in Pakistan, which are hard to quantify. But you know, some of the more credible estimates have suggested that you could have uh, cases um, in Pakistan where you could have um, uh, enough water that somehow is prevented from falling, from from flowing downstream, that it could impact. Um, an entire planting season uh, in in Pakistan. Now, of course, in Pakistan, there's a lot of rhetoric that suggested that India has already been doing this and it's already been preventing water from flowing into Pakistan. There's no indication that it has. But the bottom line is that even if India does not revoke the treaty, it still has ways of putting pressure on Pakistan by building more dams that could have a, an impact, albeit a modest impact, um, on uh, agriculture in Pakistan. Again, even if it's acting within the bounds of the treaty, in legal way, there's still things it could do that could make Pakistan realize, well, you know, India can do things here that could have an effect on Pakistan. Let's talk a little bit about the rhetoric that exists in Pakistan regarding this treaty then. You were a little bit about Lashkar-e-Taiba, the um, uh, Pakistani terrorist group, and they've often accused India of basically water theft. Do you think that there is a risk going forward if Modi's government were to build these dams or start to reduce water, there would be an uptick in terrorist activity as a result of these actions? Well, I mean, Lashkar Taiba, first of all, is a very um, prominent and very vicious <clears throat> Pakistan-based militant group that has always been focused on India. I mean, it's Lashkar Taiba that staged the 2008 terrorist attacks in Mumbai uh, in India. It killed dozens of people, uh, including some Americans. Um, and so Lashkar-e Taiba, or LET as it tends to be known, has always used water issues as a key propaganda item in its anti-India rhetoric. It has long argued that uh, uh, <clears throat> India is essentially um, stealing water. Um, and, you know, I should say that until relatively recently, the Pakistani government was making similar comments about how India is preventing uh, water from, from flowing into Pakistan. Um, and, you know, LET has oftentimes 
uh, responded by saying something to the effect of, well, we're going to use blood. Uh, we're, we're going to um, we're going to essentially do a lot of terrible things to India in return for these terrible things that India is doing to us, e.g. stopping the flow of water. So, you know, I would argue that um, if India were to start building more dams, you know, the, the subtleties of what I was saying before, the nuances of what I was saying before about how it's perfectly legal for India to build these dams as long as they're run of the river, that, that doesn't mean anything to LET, and it doesn't mean anything to LET supporters, um, which do not only include terrorists, but also, you know, significant uh, pockets of society in Pakistan that have a soft spot for <clears throat> for militant views. You know, if, if India were to start building these dams that it's perfectly... Um, uh, qualify in a position to to build, that would be provide huge amounts of ammunition to LET, uh, in which LET could basically say, "Well, look, India is doing more of this. They're following up. They're doing they're doing what we've already what we've always said that they're doing, and now we reserve the right to um, to stage attacks in retaliation." So, you know, I'm not going to say that <clears throat> this could lead to a war, but I do fear that if uh, India were to start um, taking full advantage of its legal right to build more dams on the western rivers of the Indus uh, Basin, you could have um, a new campaign of terrorist attacks in Kashmir uh, or conceivably more broadly across India, in which LET essentially jumps on the uh, you know these water machinations of India um, and uses those as a pretext, as a provocation. Do you think that the infrastructure, the things like the dams, could actually be threatened? Or is that out of the, the realm of capabilities of LET? Well, anything is possible. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't rule against it. I mean, this is, not, this is not something that LET has done, though I will point out that other terrorist groups in, in Pakistan have uh, attacked water infrastructure. The Pakistani Taliban several years ago attacked the um, the Tarbela Dam, which is uh, one of the largest dams in the world, it, uh, until recently was a huge source of, of water uh, for Pakistan. There's a military base on the fringes of the Tarbela Dam, so that's what was targeted. But you know they they managed to get to the spot where the dam is. So certainly um, anything is possible. Um, and what, unfortunately, one thing that has been clear in recent years is that India has not done a very good job of properly fortifying um, its most strategic uh, assets and its most important infrastructure, which obviously entails military bases, but also um, structures like dams. So I, I certainly think it's well within the realm of possibility for LET to attack uh, a dam in India, though then again, um, you know, if India-Pakistan tensions continue to uh, rise and become even more acute, and if water continues to be a key bone of contention, so to speak, Maybe that'll make India decide that it needs to do more to fortify security uh, and have more of a military presence around its dam. So that could serve as, the, as a deterrent to, the, uh, to LET. Stepping back a little bit regionally, China has a role to play in these rivers as well, since the Tibetan Plateau is sort of the source of many of the rivers that end up in both Pakistan and India. Could you speak a little bit about the role that Beijing might play either for or against Pakistan, should India move forward with these kinds of infrastructure projects? Or also, if China may move forward without consideration of either Pakistan or India's needs and build their own dams, regardless of the geopolitical relationship between the three nations? 
Yeah, well, a few things to highlight here. First of all, India, unlike Pakistan, or pardon me, China, unlike India or Pakistan, or a number of other countries in the South Asia region, including Bangladesh, Nepal, and many others, has never uh, signed any sort of water sharing accord, has never signed any sort of transboundary water management accord. China simply does not find those important, and it's perfectly happy to build dams whenever it would like to, regardless of the impact that could have on downstream neighbors. Uh, another thing here is that China is a close ally of Pakistan, so it certainly would see any sort of Indian effort or even an Indian threat to do things that could compromise Pakistan's water insecurity in a big way as something that's worth paying attention to, and for China could be a spark to retaliate in ways that could hurt India. Uh, and so, you know, it, it would certainly be possible for China to decide to bottle up the Indus in a way that could uh, cause a lot of problems for India, because, you know, let's keep in mind the 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 water geography of the South Asia region. India is the upper riparian relative to Pakistan uh, when it comes to the Indus, but at the same time, the Indus originates in Tibet. So China is the upper riparian vis-a-vis -vis, uh, India when it comes to the Indus. So there certainly are things that um, that China could do, uh, and I think what's particularly troubling is that China. Um, has the ability, it has the capacity to build dams very quickly. Uh, now, there's been some more uh, hardline anti-China hawks in India that claim that China is planning to build uh, dams as tall as the Eiffel Tower and all these things. That may be a bit exaggerated, but the bottom line here is that China would not need much time to build the right kind of uh, water infrastructure where you could really um, generate a plenty of storage and keep water from flowing into India. Uh, India, by contrast, doesn't have that type of capacity. It <clears throat> doesn't have that type of technical expertise. Um, and it would need uh, several years, maybe even, maybe even a decade, to build dams that would be sufficient enough to keep water from flowing, from, for, to keep water from flowing in significant quantities into Pakistan. Whereas with China, you wouldn't need, not that much time would be necessary. It could act much, it could act much more quickly and much more decisively. Stepping back even further and sort of looking forward over the next 10 to 20 years on the role of climate change and, and what its effects might be on the Indus Water Treaty, we're, we're seeing a lot of things like snow melt and glacier melt changing in Tibet and more water coming now, but potentially less water in the future as things like glacial lake outflows occur where a large amount of water is suddenly in, introduced into a river system. Do you think the potential for climate change to impact water flows is something that is a sort of existential threat looming for the Kashmir region and for India and Pakistani relationships? Oh, absolutely. Climate change is a huge factor uh, whenever you're looking at water issues in India and Pakistan. Um, I think you really do have to talk about existential threats, not in the near term, not in the midterm, but, you know, in the decades uh in the many decades ahead, um, you know, let's let's face it. Um, you know, the glacial melt, the rate of glacial melt in the Western Himalayas is the fastest anywhere in the world. Uh, and and Pakistan and India, other countries, they depend on on the water uh, that comes from there. So if it all melts away, what does that leave you with? Not not very much at all. Um, and you know, in both India and Pakistan, you're already having manifestations of climate change, whether you're talking about very intense weather patterns, such as extended drought, um, uh, very uh, high temperatures that have already caused, had an impact on water security. Um, and, you know, there, there are parts of Pakistan, particularly in the southern regions of the country, 
Sin province, where you know the Indus River has really essentially slowed to a trickle, and in some parts of the region, it's you've got nothing there, um, and that's today. So imagine what could happen decades from now <clears throat> when there's been even more glacial melts, when the the effects of climate change have been able to play out even more. You know, you could really have a devastating state of affairs uh, in terms of water security, uh, certainly for Pakistan, but for India as well. And I would argue that the the, the climate change vulnerability of both India and Pakistan will really raise the stakes when it comes to, um, you know, water tensions in these two countries. I think that both countries will be more inclined to dig in further. I think India may be more willing to, um, you know, build more dams to do all it can to um, to keep as much water as it can. And I think in Pakistan, you'll have even more mistrust and concern about what India could be doing. I think you could have Lashkari Taiba essentially say, "Well, look, we're going to become a a water uh, uh, a, a water-starved country in the next few years. We need to do everything we can to prevent India from uh, from from starving us out completely right now and call for more attacks." So I think bottom line here is that climate change is a huge issue. Both India and Pakistan are very vulnerable to it, and it plays a really big part. Uh, it's a really big driver, a huge driver in the rising levels of water insecurity in India and in Pakistan, which could well, um, or w which will ensure that water tensions between these two countries will stay in place for the foreseeable future. Well, thank you, Michael. You've certainly given us some things to think about regarding India and Pakistani relations in the Kashmir region and the role water plays in that area. We at Circle of Blue, moving forward, will continue to pay attention to the Kashmir region as one of our H2O hotspots you can look forward to further installments of this series on our website coming soon.